<laughs> Come on. Don't be a bitch about it. Just give me a quick rim. I'm clean, I promise. Why are you such a fucking bitch all the time, you know? Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you're listening to Sick and Wrong. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm on your host, T. Simon. Greetings, panty sniffers. It's me, Kate Rambo. Hello. Okay, Rambo, check hey. this out. See what, I, what I'm holding up to the screen here? Oh my God, you are a fully vaccinated Jew. Laminated vaccination card. Does this make you wet? Are you meant to laminate them, or did you just do that because you're anally retentive? I don't know. I just didn't want to you know, ruin For it. Sp- I probably want to carry it around so I can show chicks, because it's my ticket to pussy. <laughs> to Pussville, yeah. to Pound Town. Hot back summer. Haven't you heard about this? Hot Vax Summer, no, but I have heard, heard that it's going to be Hot Girl Summer. The summer is going to be all about post-vax Rumpy Bumpy. That's <laughs> yeah. it, it is. I've been so reading know, all you know, about when you this. You asked me if I was wet as soon as you said Rumpty Bumpty, now I'm wet. Rumpy Bumpy Rumpy is... Bumpy is probably the sexiest term for shagging. Well, that's what you guys use here in the UK, so I was using a term that you'd be aware of. Yes, Rumpty Bumpy. <laughs> Rumpy bumpy. Rumpy bumpy. That's what the rabbi used to say. Rumpy bumpy. A good old vouchering. No, it's a hot vac summer, you know. It's a it's a post vaccine world and uh For some. yeah, there's gonna be uh, a lot of dating, there's gonna be a lot of uh Tinder matchups. Oh yes. A lot yeah. a lot of uh sexy times going on. Because I think people have been pent up. So you know, there's a lot of uh pent up sexual energy. That's um, you know been uh, been accumulating over the past what year and a half. Yeah, it's been a long time since and people were able actually, to get that end away. You know, now we're actually we're vaxxed and we're able to uh, maybe not in this country and in, in the UK not in your yet. country not in yet. my country. You know, every a lot of people are vaxxed here already in the US. Yeah, have I mean, they all laminated their cards as well? Well, I don't want to get too much pussy juice on this card and ruin it. <laughs> But yeah, like I'm going to be basically on my Tinder profile. I'm just going to have a picture of me holding up my laminated card. And that be, be, means like I'm DTF. Like, yes. let's go. You know, hot and vaccinated, ready to fuck. Hot vax Jew. Hot vax Jew. That's what I was going to say. Hot vax yeah. Jew, you know, in search of whatever. I mean, as long as you, uh, you know, as long as you got a, a pussy, then, and I got <laughs> then a vax I'll pound card, it. <laughs> I'll be pounding that veal, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Behind the beef <laughs> curtains. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, this uh, dating in a post-vaccine world. There's a, there's a lot of articles about this right now because I think people are like so sick of the of the quarantine and so sick of the lockdown and not being able to go to bars. And you know, in uh, L.A., they were announcing that bars are all going to be open July 1st. Gavin Newsom, Governor Newsom, said July 1st bars are going to be open. Uh, New York, July 1st, everything's going to be open. So people are expecting it's going to be like, you know. Like when Prohibition ended. The Whoring Twenties. The Whoring Twenties. That's you know? a great phrase for it. I love it. So uh, in Manhattan here, a uh, bartender named Mark Hernandez, is, he works at the cocktail bar Ampersand, says even at 50% capacity, which is what it, what it is right now, um, 
he said it's it's already feeling like pre-COVID days. That gets me thinking that the summer is going to be a little wild. People are showing up. People are buying drinks for each other. Everybody's partying. They say it's going to be uh, this one girl wrote on her um, Tinder profile, vaxxed and waxed. Oh. She would be impressed by the card. She would be impressed by the card. And so the U.S. is becoming, you know, increasingly inoculated. I don't know how it is in your country. And a lot of people are in London. It's Yes, and it's all like mainly all the olds as well. So, I mean, the olds are shaggers anyways, aren't they? They're the ones who give each other chlamydia. Well, but so, a lot of the youngs probably didn't give a shit anyway. The youngs don't give no shits. But, I mean, fair enough. If you care about stuff in your 20s, then you're doing something wrong. But... Waiting for my turn. I want to get into the... The pubs should be opening here May 17th. When uh, when do the vaccines get to the north of England? Like next year? Oh, yeah. They'll arrive on the horse and buggy. Um, <laughs> but a lot of the villagers are still in fear of it. The pitchforks, you know, they're still on fire when the scientists come to town. Well, aren't they scared of what's beyond the wall? And the wildlings. And yes, the wildlings, they that are. live up here? Um, so it's going to be pretty tough for me to get my vaccine, but I just won't let them know. Well, I mean that that live up in the in the north of England. You know, we don't really have wildlings <laughs> in uh, L.A. Uh, we just have uh, meth addicts. But anyway, <laughs> even the meth difference. addicts are ready to start fucking <laughs> because the U.S. is uh, you know it's we're we're vaxxed. The weather's warming up, and Americans are coming out of their house and they're ready to, uh, to date. So uh, I read a stat here: fifty three percent, fifty three percent of adults feel comfortable dating right now, which is up nine percent from last week. Though women. Feel less comfortable than men, which hopefully that's going to change when I show my card. <laughs> um, but uh, everyone from Andrew Yang, remember him? He was a uh, presidential candidate. To the bidet company Tushy. What? Have you seen the bidet company what? Tushy? There's a, no, there's a bidet company weighing in on this. Yeah, they they attend. It's like an attachment for your for your toilet. Oh, is this one of the, the ones turlet? that you, right, yeah. No, see to me a bidet is a standalone thing. You can't be attaching shit to your toilet and thinking it's calling it a bidet. You know, you know what's so no. odd is uh I for some reason I get these targeted tushy ads on my Instagram and my Facebook. You know that's cuz the algorithms you've searched for this type of stuff before. Well, I you know, there's a porn company I like called Tushy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's getting it confused. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you also are getting to that age now. You like just get into that. Old people use bidets? Of course. You're just, I mean, you are. You, your years are slowing down now. You're over the hill. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm going to let that go. <laughs> uh, the bidet company here, Tushy, uh, has a herd immunity countdown clock at their website, caniteatassyet.com. Okay. This is why it is <laughs> being targeted to that's you. Why, that's why it's marketed to me, I think, is because, you know. I'm okay, sure. so what's the countdown? I, I don't know. But oh, did you I not didn't check? go to caneiteassyet.com, <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to look at that on my work computer. <laughs> They're just like, I'm just sitting here just like chomping at the bit. Like, when can I do this? Uh, but, th- but that's what I'm saying. They, they think there's going to be a hedonistic release of sexual energy this summer i agree and uh it's gonna be a hot back summer and part of the thing is uh is touch starvation kate touch starvation that's, that's a what real people suffer from it's it, real it is a real thing which is the um the hormone that your brain is it dopamine that your brain releases when you do hug and to and, touch and, yeah, another person it's the pleasure is, yeah the pleasure one the and it's also addictive and so when you get dopamine taken away from you like say if your partner leaves 
that you is a real thing. Yeah. yeah, it's a real thing. Well, as they say, touch starvation is real, and it can increase stress, depression, and anxiety. And we've had this this insane year, unprecedented year, of such intense isolation, fear, suffering, grief, and the pandemic is obviously continuing continue to rage across many parts of the world. Look at India. And also parts of Europe, you can't forget about them. Loads of places in Europe are still on lockdown. Isn't Canada going back into a weird lockdown? Parts of Australia are still in lockdown. It's Well, Australia is, and I think they kind of managed it pretty well compared to other countries. But no, but like India, I mean, they're, they're on their third oh, wave. There's 400,000 people. There's no yeah. hot vac summer going on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it touched, touch starvation is a real thing. And now that people are you know, kind of rounding that curve. I think they're ready to start fucking again with their cards. So I'm going to hold my card. I'm a card carrying, you know, vaxxed Jew. Well, there were also Jews carrying cards in the 1940s and it didn't end very well for some of them. Yeah, that didn't work out all that great, but uh, (laughs) I'm vaxxed. (laughs) This is a vaxxed card, all right? Uh, Psychologist Amanda Gesselman here, who works at Indiana University's Kinsey Institute, uh, said that the pandemic has motivated American singles to look for partners rather than casual sex, which I don't think is a good thing. But um, while there will certainly <laughs> be people having the time of their lives when it's safe to do so, she says, we found that people are less interested in no-strings-attached sex than they used to be. Now speak for yourself, you four-eyed cockblocker. <laughs> I know? can see what she's saying, though, because a lot of people will have spent a whole year by themselves. And it's like, yeah, I can go out and have some, like, fucking shallow meaningless sex or i can find somebody who like if there isn't of a fucking lockdown we can be together you can shack up yeah and rather shack than up alone. and shag yeah i can totally see that i don't know as long as i have porn up who cares <laughs> um but in another recent study here on post-pandemic sex uh this is conducted in partnership with cosmopolitan um 2000 americans that were surveyed between the ages of 18 and 45 more than half um, 52% said they want to find a committed relationship post-pandemic. Only 1 in 10 said they're looking for no-strings-attached sex. So you're right. So, yeah. You yeah. Know? What do you think the stats would be in the north of England? North of England, um, bit of both. A lot of people shack up when they're like 14 here with their over 14-year-old boyfriend. That's it till the day they die. But you don't think they're looking for like just no-strings-attached sex with a northern slag? Have you ever been on Tinder in the north of England? God, I've been in Scotland. I couldn't imagine what the north of England you can looks see like. Why, you can see why people turn to sheep. That's just all I'm going to say. Um, but yeah, it's it's odd that uh, after this whole you know lockdown, I just found it odd that you know people are like you know less interested in uh, no strings attached sex. You'd think you'd just want to get out of your system and then find a partner. Shuck away. Shuck you know? away. Yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, people want to be touched. They don't just want to fuck. They want to be touched in their souls, David. Well, yeah, they've been, they've been <laughs> starved from the touching. Literally. Uh, meanwhile, condom companies, though, are uh, saying the, the, there's a demand. The demand for their products are increasing. And they claim that uh, with, along with this, like, you know, the uh, growing portion of the population of being vaccinated, they see uh, their sales are going to be, uh, there's going to be an uptick in condom sales. That won't happen in the north of England. Condoms don't exist here. People don't use condoms. <laughs> well, no, we just like, you know, roll the dice of it. Just see what happens. Yeah, maybe sometimes I'll get, uh, you know, chlamydia. Maybe this one will be the in the tent for abortion. Whatever. <laughs> I'll roll with it. See what happens. Yeah. Um, 
Many people are searching for a historical precedent that can shed light on on what awaits us after you know this post COVID recovery period. Uh, so they say you know the Roaring Twenties, the Roaring Twenties, so that you know the nation was in the was ravaged by World War One, and then there was the nineteen eighteen pandemic. Um, so they're saying you know what the recovery of that led to the Roaring Twenties. People were fucking and partying. Uh, what about nineteen sixty seven Summer of Love? When yeah. tens of thousands of young people, you know, went to San Francisco and to California to listen to rock and roll, join cults, experiment with sex and drugs, protest Vietnam. So they kind of feel like, you know, this this is going to be a very similar occurrence. It's Let's hope be, so. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, Sounds after fun. being locked down for a year and a half, bars being locked down, now that they're going to be open again, I'm hoping that people would like, there'll be... You know, the bars will open and be like only for people with vax cards. Oh, yeah, well, that's no, because I've not been vaccinated, David, and I want to go to the pub well, you're and You're have shag. to get vaccinated. <laughs> so I can't do it. You also have to hang out in the back by the dumpster. Well, I'm used to that. <laughs> that's not going to change much for me. Just hanging out at the dumpster. <laughs> yeah. It's in the back of your Volkswagen that's a, that's Beetle. That's where I pull. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the summer is the potential to offer a taste from the past and a hope for the future, according to Dr. Nicholas Kerstakis here. But, I, you know, I don't know. They're, they're saying that uh, pandemic-induced social anxiety is another obstacle to people having a uh, you know, full-on fuckfest this summer. Because a lot of people didn't date for a year. And they say that uh, a lot of these uh, doctors are saying that, and therapists are saying that people go on a date and no one knows what to to talk about other than covid oh no covid and the weather oh. that's pretty much it the weather is a good subject though being british always happy to talk about it uh, but i bet you that's what dating is now like you you know you go to uh you probably have to sit outside because you can't go inside and you just sit there and talk about like oh the pandemic and oh it's cold i suppose it's not like you can be like well let's go to a movie first and then we could talk about the movie you can't go to a movie you can't you can't do fuck all so you know, I don't even know. I haven't really uh, done Tinder, you know, since, yeah, for like a year. I don't even know if people were on Tinder. Most people, like, from my friends who have been on Tinder have said that uh, most people just are like, won't meet up right now until vaccinated. But so now it's like on Tinder, people are like, vaxxed. Oh, yeah, they're using it Pfizer, as, a, as a point. As a flex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that's what I'm going to do. I got the card. Laminated. That's the cards. A card-carrying <laughs> Jew. <laughs> so um, they interviewed this woman here named Alina, a recently vaccinated college student. Didn't give her last name. Uh, she said, I'm excited to go a bit buck wild and feel so much safer. Just go on a lot of dates, make out with some guys, nothing serious. So, You're a slag, Elena. She's back. Just like me. <laughs> yeah. um, she said uh, she's 20 years old. Uh, she said she's ready to make up for lost time in her romantic life. I'm hoping most women follow suit here. <laughs> she did some app dating during the pandemic, but COVID-19 was a constant presence with several of her dates saying uh, that they'd been exposed, though she never actually caught the virus. And during quarantine, Elena uh, spent time rehashing mischances in her love life, and she's just thinking, when I'm out of this, I'm going to make the most of every opportunity and be a whore. She is basically playing her whore card. <laughs> She's, She's saying, that's I'm going to spread my legs for any man. And that's what I'm hoping 
the vax card. The laminated <laughs> vax the card is going to like, you know, just make girls wet. They're not going to look at my face or my uh, my afro, my Jew pro COVID hair. <laughs> yeah. They're just going to see that card and be like, all right, well, at least I'm not going to get the COVID. I'll still have the shame, but not the COVID. Of course, yeah. You know? That's what I'm thinking. But one thing I want people, you know, obviously I want people to uh, get vaccinated and get out of their house and start dating again and return to normalcy. But you got to be cautious. Don't just start going out there, spreading your legs for anybody. Because, you know, a lot of women have been sexually frustrated for over a year here. You know, they can't wait to get out the house and, and film a homemade bukkake scene. With 20 guys. Are you giving me a, like a, a dad talk here? Feels like, I'm just saying, feels like a parental talk. I'm just saying be cautious. You got to be careful about who you choose to ejaculate all over your face. You know? Do you? You do. You do. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying is you might end up like uh, the subject of our, uh, of our intro here, Junko Furuta. You might. Even though I don't think she was going to a homemade bukkake scene. She was not. She yeah. was a very good girl, the total but opposite of me. You never know what might happen. You know, you might shack up with the wrong person. Just be careful, I'm just saying, you know? You might. You, you got to be careful. Junko Furuta was a 16-year-old Japanese girl. This happened in uh, 1989, who underwent 44 days of rape and torture before dying at her captor's hands. And uh, yeah, it was in uh, November 22nd, 1989. Uh, it's known as 44 Days of Hell. And Kate's very familiar with this story. I am. And the terrible murder. And uh, yeah, you prepared a whole intro here. Yeah, this, um, this case like really um, polarizes people as well. There's a lot of people who, they, who love true crime, but they will draw the line at this case. Well, it's vile. It's this vile. Is, yeah. And also, I always hate you when podcasts go... And then we're not going to tell you what happened to her. You can skip ahead if you don't want to hear that. I'm going to tell you everything that happened to um, uh, Yonko. I'm probably going to mispronounce a lot of Japanese things. So Adam from Japan, sorry. <laughs> I don't speak Japanese. This is going to happen. Right. But this is a gruesome one, so this don't say I didn't warn you. So Junko, she was born on the 18th of January 1971 in the city of Mosato, which is the Satama Prefecture. So Masato is home to the terrifying theme park of Thomastown. You can Google that. Thomastown. Thomastown, Thomas the Tank Engine. It's terrifying. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen pictures of that. And it's, it's nightmarish. It is. It's a little town. It's on the outskirts of Tokyo proper. And at the time in the 70s, uh, the Yakuza were running the joint. They were running Masato too. So Yunko, she, like I said before, she didn't have anything to do with the, cu- the accuser. She was a really sweet girl. She was really well-liked. She was so pretty that it caused kind of jealousy with some other girls um, at the high school she attended, and she was in her final year there. She was very close with her older and younger brother. She studied hard. She barely missed school, and she had an after-school job of working in a plastics molding factory. And she was working there for about four months because she was saving money for her graduation. And she had also just accepted a new job at an electronics supply store for the summer after she had finished school. So she like, applied herself. She didn't smoke cigarettes, she didn't drink, and she didn't do drugs. She wasn't a rebel, D. She was oh, a good girl. girl. Missed out on a lot of good things in life. Yeah, she's the best sound- things in life. Yeah, well, I know she did, yeah. but she just sounded like she's just really focused on her studies and her future. She's which- got the Japanese work ethic. She got that work ethic. We talk yeah. about that Japanese work ethic on the overkill this week. Yeah. <laughs> 
she was so focused on her future that she didn't even date and she had like no interest in dating boys. But it was actually that fact that would cause her downfall. So I'm assuming she is a virgin. She's a virgin for now. So her classmate was um, a boy called Hiroshi Miyano. And um, he had a crush on her, on this square girl. And he asked her out on a date. She probably turned him down because she wasn't looking for a relationship, but she also probably definitely turned him down because Hiroshi was like the school bully. His father was in the the Yakuza and um, he could basically get away with anything he wanted. Even the teachers at school were wary of the boy and he never like faced consequences. So Yunko, she had the nerve to say no to him and spurn his advances and she would eventually pay with her life for having like the audacity to reject him. It sounds kind of like uh, Francis in uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Remember the fat guy? Yeah. The kid that wanted this bike. And he's like, you know, I'm going to get this bike. And this kid was just so entitled and used to getting everything he wanted. That sounds like, uh, you know, Hiroshi, Hiroshi there. He probably was fat. Was he a fat kid? He's a little chubby. A not chubby bully. A yeah. chubby school fuck bully. Kid. Yeah, fuck so him. So she's just like, no, hell no. Yeah, good for her for, like, just even having the Fatty, guts fat, to fat. say no. <laughs> yeah, good for her. Do you think that's how she told him no? Well, probably in Japanese. Betty, Betty, I don't know yeah. how to say it. but <laughs> So Hiroshi, he was 18, and he had three friends. So there was Shinji, Shinji Minato, who was 16, um, and he was also a fellow low-ranking Yakuza member. So he was in the biz with him. There was um, uh, Joe Agura and Yasushi Watanabe. They were both 17, and they all formulated a plan. These they, these four boys, they'd all been in like various types of like teenage scrapes, you know, like what we all get into the regular japes at that age, such as like you know purse snatching, extortion, gang rape. It's the type of things all like seventeen year olds go up to. Uh, but because of their yakuza ties, nothing was done to like ever curb them, and they just managed to get away with everything they did. So on the early evening of 25th of November, 1988, Hirosh- Hiroshi and Sinji, they were aimlessly wandering the streets of Masato. They were tossing around various ideas on how they could spend the evening. And then they decided that a fun evening would include robbing and raping a woman. Just any woman. That's what they're going to do tonight. And uh, wow. bad luck would make Yonko cross their path at about 8.30. After did they she- have video games back then? Well, yeah, but I mean... <laughs> Are they as fun as raping a woman, D? I guess maybe not, but <laughs> So this poor girl, she just finished work. It's 8.30. She's going home after, um, after finishing work. So uh, Shinji, he dragged her off her bike, and then Hiroshi just kind of did this. He stepped in. He helped her, and he offered to walk her home, and he would help find her stolen bike later. Wait, Jung- wait, 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 wait a second. She's, she's leaving her job on her bike. She's and this is like, was it at night? Eight thirty p.m. Eight thirty at night, and one guy like grabbed her off the bike and just stole the bike from her. Yeah, it was like a little like their plan, their usual. Oh, so he like knocked her down, and the other guy white knighted. White knighted, yeah, the bully. dangerously. Yeah, and she would have recognized Hiroshi, and he's like being nice to her and saying, "Oh, I'll help you get your bike back. I'm going to walk you home. Don't worry, you're going to be safe." Ooh, that's devious. It is very devious, and she accepted his help. She would never make it home. So what happened is, instead of walking her safely home, as he had promised, um, 
could have maybe got in his in her good book maybe she would have saw a different side to him he forced her to walk to a nearby warehouse that he had access to because he's because of his yakuza connections and it was here in this warehouse that yonko suffered the first of many 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 rapes that she would endure for the last 44 days of her life he told yonko that if she kept her mouth shut and if she she did exactly what he said. Maybe he wouldn't kill her. Maybe the Yakuza wouldn't come and kill her whole family either. And she's obviously under duress and extreme fear. She went along with him to the local park where the foursome were reunited. And it was in this park under the midnight moon that the three other boys then took their turns raping Yonko. I've, I've read that uh, they also forced her to call her parents. That's and, coming up. Yeah, that wasn't then. Which is crazy. Yeah. They, 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 would, would the parents know by like the tone of her voice that there was something amiss? I'll definitely get into that. Yeah. Because there's a whole thing about Japanese culture involved in that. Whereas that wouldn't fly in the West. No. At the, the time, no. it was fine over there. So one of them, they decided then... This wasn't actually their first act of gang rape. They'd been known for doing it locally. But in Japan at the time, it was a f- it was a seen as a, sh- a shameful act to be raped. So if you were a rape victim and you reported it to the police, the police, you'd be the one having the shame brought upon you. So most rapes went totally unreported. So the group was had been doing this over and over and without any repercussions. impunity. Completely. And like they're all young as well. They're like 17, 16, 17, and 18. And it was 17 year old uh, Joe's idea to take Yonko and kind of keep her in one of their houses so that they could make her their sex slave. They had recently done this with another girl where they had kidnapped her and held her captive for a few days and just raped her repeatedly. Um, Hiroshi was like, yeah, let's do this. So at around 3 a.m., they took her to the house. in a district called um, Adachi, and they gang raped her just through the night. The house was actually owned by Shinji's parents, and it would soon become like their regular hangout, and it would also be where Yonko would eventually die. Were these guys all like affiliated with the Yakuza, or were they members? Two of them were. Two um, of them were members of the Yakuza. Yeah, Hiroshi and Shinji. They were very low level. Um, Hiroshi's father was in the Yakuza and uh, Shinzi used his Yakuza connections to like bully his parents Mm. so she was obviously easily overpowered by these guys on November the 27th one day after she had been kidnapped this is when they forced her to ring her parents and give a story that she had run away and she but she was staying safely with a friend in Japanese culture, again, at the cha- at the time, having a runaway child was seen as shameful. So parents of runaway children, they were l- reluctant to inform the police about such things because it was showing that they were bad parents. That's but, why it was shameful. But I guess, I mean, th- this girl was a honor student, very beautiful. She, was, she worked hard. All of a sudden, she's like, I'm running away, and it's- I'm fine, don't bother. And they're just like, okay. Her parents, like, they were good parents. They'd rang, as soon as she hadn't returned home that night, they'd rang the police, and the police had started an investigation, and her face and name was in the press. But because they coerced her into making this phone call, the um, the investigation was closed. And no one thought that was suspicious. No one I don't thought even, that was suspicious. That, that's insane. Yeah, we're not going to get into <laughs> Japanese law. Yeah, no, <laughs> We I do mean, not have the time right now. 
But it's just insane to me that people would be like, all right, well, where are you? Well, you're also thinking she's in a home owned by Shin- Shinji's parents. Yeah, we're his parents. Right. Well, um, they would come around and they would like see her and they would just make Yonko pretend to be Shinji- Shinji's girlfriend. Wasn't she like all beaten up and tortured later on right they said that they were made aware of the alarming circumstances but i do wonder if they were like ignorant like they claimed or were they more aware of what was going on because if they were more aware of boys yeah but it's also the public shame that they would have been held totally accountable yeah um they did say that they stated that they lived in fear of their violent son and of his yakuza friends that makes sense um, his brother, Shinji's brother, he was aware of the entire situation, everything that was happening to Yonko, and he also did nothing to prevent it and did nothing to help the situation. So wow. she was held captive in the Minato residence for 40 days. Daily and repeatedly, she was beaten, tortured, and raped. And the four rice and fish eating boys, they spread the word that they had a new plaything and anyone could stop by, abuse, and rape her. She was kept naked the entire time. And so that was not only used as a humiliating factor, it also made it easier for over a hundred known men to rape her. Although a hundred men? A hundred known. Yakuza. Oh, wow, a hundred known. hundred known men that were accused of this. 16-year-old girl. Yes. It's estimated that she was actually raped by up to 500 different men, all with Yakuza God. connections. God. On one day, she was raped by 12 men alone, and that's not including the four teens who were still raping her whenever they felt like it. Her rapists were encouraged to beat her. Some were doing so with golf clubs and iron bars, and if her rapists weren't in the mood, she was forced to masturbate in front of everyone. Iron bars, skewers, lit fireworks, they were all inserted into her, both vaginally and anally. Yeah, I read a uh, scissors, a bottle, a exploding light bulb, and a firework was inserted was inserted into her, and her internal organs had so much trauma that she eventually lost control of her uh, urinary bowel movements. Yeah, that's coming up. That's one of the main. God, so so gnarly. They shaved off her pubic hair. They made her eat it. She was made to dance to music naked in front of everyone, like some kind of fucked up David so Lynch sadistic. film. I don't, I don't understand. How do you even like come up with these things, though? I definitely think it's a case of what is it they say, like the the madness of the many, where one will be like trying to like, oh no, now make her do this, and, and trying to one up like yeah. brinkmanship in a sense, like trying to one up the other one, or I can be more you know evil than you. I also think this shows like the spirit of the girl. The fact like. Especially when I get towards how she did die and how she like clung on to life, you kind of think like she's had an indestructible spirit. Because this is, I guess at at that point, I would try to like take one of the chicken skewers that they're <laughs> sticking inside of me and just try to s- stab it through one of their necks, even though I'm going to die anyway. Yeah, you would try and do something like that, but she doesn't. She's just like a good person till the end, which like makes it ah makes it that much more uh, just tragic. Yeah, so. It, when she was allowed to sleep, which wasn't very often, she wasn't ever allowed to sleep fully. Um, and, you know, after they'd become bored of, like, burning her eyelids with hot wax and lighters, uh. she was made to sleep outside on the balcony, naked, in the Japanese winter. 
I'm surprised she didn't die from that alone. It, she, keep in mind, this is in his parents' home. The, it was like their other home. They had two homes. So they, I mean, they were well aware of the torture that their, you know, progeny was inflicting on this poor girl. I think they were, and they just denied it. I, or either that, or they feared the reprisal from the Yakuza if they got involved or called the police. It's probably a bit of everything. They would take her down to the basement um, when there was a cement floor, and they would smash her face into it repeatedly. They would spit in her face. They would also hang her from the ceiling and use her as a punching bag. One of her nipples was ripped off using a pair of pliers, ah. and she had hot needles inserted it's into gnarly. her breasts. Is it? This is just like awful. This is like just a girl as well. It's a nice girl. Yeah. No. I mean, obviously, no one should endure this type of torture. I mean, they. I read that they forced her to eat live cockroaches. Yes. When she was allowed to eat, she wasn't. They never like fed or gave her water. But that's one of the things she was allowed to eat. Ah. God. One of their favorite games that they did to her repeatedly, and this would be definitely part of how she died. They would lay her down on the floor. This is on the cement floor in the basement. They would tie her hands and feet up so she couldn't move, and they would drop dumbbells on her. They would drop dumbbells on her stomach, or they would drop dumbbells on her feet and hands. Repeatedly. I, I, it's just, I guess, I mean, obviously, I don't have that type of character to ever do something like that, but I just don't understand how, like, out of all those hundred, you know, hundred men that were there or more, not yeah. one of them was just like, "Hey, dude, I think you guys are going a little bit too far." Just a little, guys. Can just, we stop? Yeah, this? can we? I mean, you know, it's it's a bit much with the dumbbell dropping, you know, the punching bag. So by this point, she's she's starting to suffer catastrophic injuries inside, but she's still alive. She, like you say, God, she just... was given the the bare minimum of food and water needed to survive. She was forced to drink the piss of the men who was raping her. And yeah, like you said, there were so many witnesses, you'd think that someone might have the heart to report this absolute shit show of a situation. It's insane, yeah. Twice, the police were alerted to uh, Yonko's condition, and who? twice, they failed to intervene. Wait, I don't get it, though. Who would have... So did someone, one of the people there, were yeah. like, oh, okay, there's like, you know, barbarous torture going on. And then, uh, you know, the, the cops just kind of came like, ah, nothing to see here. Let me tell you, the first time was a boy had been invited over to the house by Hiroshi and he went home after seeing what was happening. He didn't rape her or do anything. And he told um, his family about what was going on. Stomach turning. Yeah, who then told the police. The police showed up to the residence, but they were assured by the Minato family, so Shinji's parents said that there was no girl inside and the police were satisfied satisfied they didn't even bother to go inside and look they were just like okay cool see ya so the parents covered the parents covered for them and the second time that the police were alerted it was yonko herself who called um she had managed to like break away from the boys for just this one moment but she was so weak she couldn't say anything and she was like hanging on the phone and then the boys discovered her they hung up the phone the police called back and hiroshi assured them that it was all a mistake so obviously now, because she's done this, they're going to punish her. And uh, it was obviously an unimaginable and undeserved beating. And they, was, they set the soles of her feet on fire with lighter fluid. They forced a large bottle so far up her ass that it caused internal bleeding. Ugh. So that was her punishment for trying to ring the police. 
this is like she we're not even one quarter of a way through like the 44 days and it's like 44 days of hell of this so she became unable to breathe through her swollen, uh, swollen smashed in nose due to the relentless beatings and it caused blood to accumulate in her facial cavities the same thing was happening internally as well because she'd been beaten so savagely and so continuously that her internal organs were now so traumatized that she could no longer hold down food or drink so she would try to drink and she would instantly vomit and that would obviously cause her further malnourishment and dehydration her vomiting so pissed off um, her captors that she'd be punished further. The beatings would be even more severe. It would be more intense. I mean, did they were they still raping her at this point, or now were they, they raped just her up until her the day death? she died? Jesus Christ! They never stopped it's raping like, her. So sadistic. It's awful. I mean, they're, they're complete psychopaths. These people just don't have any care for. A human's or compassion for a human's well-being. And they know her. Well, Hiroshi knew her as well. He'd been to school with her. Yeah. So at around day 20, she became unable to walk. This is because of obviously the severe burns on her legs. Her skin was peeling away. And the beatings had caused huge bruisings. All the bones in her fingers had been broken beyond repair at this point. And all the bones in her hands too. And that was because of the game where the teens had been dropping dumbbells on her. So she's got basically no legs. She's got no hands. At around day 30, so 10 more days after that, of having no arms or legs basically, her bladder gave out. Which isn't a surprise given the amount of rapes that she was still experiencing. The beatings, the various and sometimes on fire objects that had been shoved inside of her. And not to mention the also external damage to her pussy because they would just put cigarettes out on her oh, whenever they felt like it. Not to mention all the other objects, foreign objects they'd inserted into Shoved into her. Even though she couldn't piss properly, it didn't mean her captors were like going to help her. And it would take her over an hour to crawl to the bathroom because her hands and feet were broken from her. Like, try and imagine crawling, not being able to use your hands or your feet or your legs. Oh, that's insane. I just, yeah. I mean, it, at that point, it's, re- it's remarkable her will to live. This is what I mean, though. That shows you, like, the spirit of her, I think, that she still cares enough that she wants to go to the bathroom. Like, and she's going to crawl to get there. Now, I mean, it's remarkable, but at the same time, it just seems... Just why would you do this? Like, why would you go to this length to live? Like, I would have given up by this point. I know. It says, it says a lot about yeah. her as a person, I think. And because of the dehydration, the malnourishment, and all the fucking awful beatings that occurred to her, her brain size was reducing. She was having brain atrophy. So, obviously, during these long 44 days, which would have probably been the longest 44 days in history, she was begging daily to be for them to just kill her. Just kill her. And of course, they didn't grant her this favor, did they? Of course, they didn't. But what they did do, they instead challenged her to a game of Mahong Solitaire. Oh, Mahjong? Mahjong. Mahong. I've never played it before. Mahjong? I'm good at normal Solitaire. I don't really understand how you play it, but I've seen people play it. And someone showed me a couple times. I just never learned how to play it. But in uh, San Francisco's Chinatown, you'll just see all the old people, because they bring all their relatives over. And they're just sitting there playing mahjong. Oh, I do like solitaire. I can, I'm like, yeah, it's got like the, it. the black and white chips, and I, I don't, I don't know how to play it. Oh, is that not backgammon? 
No, it's on a weird board. I don't even know how to describe mahjong, but it's like on a weird board, and you gotta move these little like chips. I'm gonna Google up it and, after yeah. this. So, this is what makes me like this girl a hell of a fucking lot, and it just makes me think that these four fucking pricks are dumb as bricks. Because she's, like, so weak. She's nearly dead. She's been raped by, like, up to 500 people. She's Her brain is atrophied. She doesn't have working arms. She doesn't have working, like, legs. And she fucking beat them. Oh, she beat, she <laughs> she beat, beat them, them, in, them in the game? In the game. Wow. And obviously these, fucko, these fuckos are so fucking pissed about it that this, was the, this would be the end. The tipping point here? The tipping point for their final beating. So they took their turns kicking and punching her it's like in a move straight out of a ricky martin music video they would light candle and they would drip the hot wax on her face um and on her eyelids they forced her to drink her own urine and after kicking her for several minutes she fell into a stereo unit and she's just started collapsing into a fit of convulsions yeah i mean her body like physically gave out think they would help her but obviously not she was bleeding profusely and she had so many burns and bruises she obviously had like welts on her so she was covered in pus and because the the pus was emerging from like her infected burns and because the four boys it's been like a month of torture completely the four boys because they didn't want to get any of their uh, her pus on their pussy hands they covered their hands in plastic bags so they could continue beating her ugh they dropped, they again, they started dropping the iron exercise ball onto her stomach several times. They poured lighter fluid onto her thighs, arms, face, and stomach, and they set her on fire once again. Yunko weak, weakly tried to put out the fire, but she gradually became unresponsive. This attack reportedly lasted two hours, and she succumbed to her hundreds, hundreds of sustained wound, and she died. So she, this is she eventually that died from this. Yeah, her body gave out. An attack. It's amazing. For two her will hours. to live, though, is it's, just incredible. It is. I would. I would have given up a long time. No, I would have them. tried to like at least take one of them with me. One of those fuckos out. Yeah. Completely. So the obviously they they fucking murdered her, and they they don't want to be penalized for it. They wrapped her body in blankets and they shoved her into a travel bag. They then put her body, she's known as the concrete encased schoolgirl in Japan and it's because of this. They put her body into a 55 gallon liter drum, um, gallon drum and they filled it with wet concrete. And around 8 p.m. on January the 4th, 1989, they loaded it and eventually disposed of the drum into a cement truck in Koto, Tokyo. But I mean, what they do with the uh, drum though? Is it like they got in, rid of it. They just did they bury it, it in like a river or something? They just, um, it was like in a cement truck, in a cement, like, I think it probably was like where the Yakuza would go and drop. And dump, and dump their bodies, probably. Probably. Wow. So you remember earlier I said the boys had been making it a habit to pick up girls and like gang rape them for several hours. This is not the first time they did it. So, on 23rd of January 1989, Hiroshi and Joe, they were arrested for the gang rape of a 19-year-old girl. A different, a different who, girl. The one who yeah. they had kidnapped in December and they'd kept in the house and she had, they'd let her escape. So as the police were investigating that case, um, the two police officers came back to investigate them because they had found woman's underwear at their address. And they were like, this is a bit weird. During the interrogation, ringleader Hiroshi believed that one of the officers was aware of his culpability in Yunko's murder. I just think it wasn't very smart 
I, in fact, I'm fucking certain he's not very smart. But I think the um, the police played the old classic role of good cop, bad cop. And he just fell for it instantly. Well, maybe it could have been a telltale heart situation. Like he felt some kind of remorse. I, I, think, I don't know. No, about I don't that, think though. he but, did. But maybe, you know, he's probably was trying to save his ass. And maybe he's worried that his friends, like they probably split the friends apart. True. He also thought that his friend, who was being interrogated at the same time, Joe, he thought that he'd confess to the crime. Yeah, that's so what he happened. just he just completely fell apart, and he told the police instantly where to go and find her body. The police are a bit like, "What was going on here?" Because they well, they, they didn't were referring it was to about Junko. Yeah, they were referring to the murder of like a totally different woman and her son that had occurred like ten days prior. That case remains open to this day. So the police went to this like cement yard and they found the drum containing Yunko's body and her long black hair was still flowing out over the top of the drum so they knew she was found her and she was identified by her fingerprints. Well, they're not very good at getting rid of a corpse. Yeah, don't put it in <laughs> fucking concrete. Or if you do, like, well, you do, like drop it the into hair. the ocean. Uh, how did she like, even have hair if they burned it? All, if they burned her so many times? She just still had, well, they still wanted her to look pretty, obviously. Ugh. Dickheads. Yeah. So her funeral was held on April the 2nd. Um, her intended future employer, they presented her parents with the uniform that she would have worn for the job she had accepted, and that was placed in her casket with her. And at her Weird. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Japan. <laughs> they I know, but that's work. just weird. It's like, I don't want my work uniform <laughs> oh for a God, job I, I never even, even had to, <laughs> to, you know, to endure. And I'm going to be buried with my work uniform. I, God, imagine being buried with like your McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like that's weird. Um, at her graduation, her school principal he presented a high school diploma for her, and that was given to her parents. So the day before her funeral on April the first, uh, Joe Agura he was arrested for a separate sexual assault, and then he was subsequently rearrested for her murder. The arrest of Yasushi Watanabe, Shinji Minato, and Minato's brother followed. Several other accomplices who participated in her abuse, uh, abuse, they were officially identified, including Tetsuozo Nakamura and Koachi Irahara, and they were charged with rape after their DNA was found on and inside her body. Well, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, she must have been like a trove of DNA. She was basically a cum bucket. They yeah, used her as a, a cum bucket. A DNA, Yakuza DNA. So Hiroshi confessed, so he's already in prison. Yeah, the these boys are all in prison. But, but now there's seven of them, so the original four. Yeah, but right. they're not going to be in prison for very long. Because they were juveniles, which I think is the case over here as well. Initially, and in America, you know, you get referred to as like boy A, boy B. Your well, identities I think it, are kept but secret. they were 18, 17, 16. It's in still, the U.S., I, they would have been tried as adults. Yeah, that's not the case in Japan. I think at the time it was under 21. Because like, crimes like this are rare Yeah, over there. So a very, very popular and influential news magazine in Japan. They uncovered their real identities and they shared them with the public. They did so saying saying that the crimes that they had committed were so horrific that they didn't deserve human rights anymore. And I can kind of like agree with that. Like, why not? So the sentences the boys received in no way reflects the brutality that they've inflicted upon this, uh, the poor girl. So what happened? Did they get a uh, prison time at least a little bit? <laughs> the sentences they were largely regarded as being far too light for the crimes. It was it caused kind of out- outrage in um, Japan. 
All the four individuals were protected by special provisions applied to individuals 18 years and younger. I wonder if this had some something to do with Yakuza connections. Yeah. I mean, these kids are obviously connected. Completely. The judge commented that the exceptionally grave and atrocious violence had been inflicted upon the victim and that Yunko Futura had been murdered so brutally at the age of 17 that her soul must be wandering in torment. Upon hearing the details of the brutal rape and torture, a spectator in the gallery fainted. Her mother, uh, Yunko's mother, also reportedly had a mental breakdown and she required psychiatric treatment. I don't blame her. Hiroshi received a total of 20 years in jail. Uh, Minoto, he received nine years in jail. And his parents and brothers were not charged. They completely got away what? with it. How did what, the parents have covered it up and lied to the cops? And the brother who was aware of the situation the whole time, they were just let off. It's okay. Slap on the wrist for them. Um, Watanabe, he got five to seven years behind bars. Five years, that's it. Yo Agura, he spent eight years in a juvenile jail before being released in 1999. I love the fact they were juveniles at the time. That was attributed as like the main case for their sentences being released. It is widely believed that the Yakuza had something to kind of do with they it. They had to have. I mean, they probably bought off judges. Completely. You know, hired lawyers, bought off police officers, yeah, bribed witnesses. Because Japan witnesses. is not shy about giving out capital punishment. It's not a shy country about sentencing well, people to death. They might not have sentenced a juvenile to death, I imagine. That's what I, I think it's part of it. So, so, these, so this is 1989, so all... The, all of these... Uh, They're all out. Yeah, all of these um, you know, assailants, they, I mean, they all must be released by now. All of them are out. Some of them have changed their names, but they've all, they've all had hard lives, let's just say that. Have they? They can't, I mean, walk, uh, they can't work. Yeah, but are they still affiliated with the Yakuza? Because maybe they're, they're like... You know, no, still doing they're not affiliated. They've all like gone to live on like weird outlying islands of Japan. But God. all of them. Yeah, somebody should track one of them down. That'd be an interesting documentary. To go and find one and see what Go find one, yeah. Now. Go find Hiroshi and just be like, and just ask him about it. Do you know what? They're all like still young as well when you think about it. Well, let's see. They're 20, 1989. So they They'd would all be about 50. Yeah, they'd probably be in their like young, 50s. Yonko would have been 50 this year had she lived. It'd be interesting to track them down and do a documentary on this murder. Uh, yeah, actually, I think that would be cool. Yeah, and interview these guys. I don't think they would probably cooperate. So a lot of people in um a lot of people thought that the stories about her was so outrageous that it's actually a, a hoax. But it's definitely not a hoax. What happened to her was like very fucking sick. Very fucking wrong. So I read no, it's 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 almost unfathomable how horrible it is. Yeah, completely. And, uh, but um I read that uh the family, the uh, Monado family was ordered to give uh, $425,000 in uh, uh, restitution to the family of the Furudas. Yeah, that's a very common thing in Japanese law. But zero cents actually went to the Furuda family. Mm-hmm. They ended up giving the money from selling their house to the uh, to Nabuharo Watanabe and Joe that were released from jail. Right. The Yakuza. <laughs> I know, it's insane. And the men used the money to party. But yeah. Hiroshi was still in jail at the time. His mother went out of her way to desecrate Yunko's gravesite. Right. Yeah, which is just insane. She blamed her. She blamed Yunko for her son being in jail. This horrible, evil woman. Well, I very much imagine she'll hopefully be dead. And uh, well, I'm hoping like fucking Yunko is like 
I don't know, lives in their TV sets and crawls, crawls out of out. it and murders all of those motherfuckers because they deserve violent, terrible deaths. Yes, they do. You know, to be honest, if I was in her family, like if this had happened to like my sister or my daughter, I probably would hire someone to murder them. You'd go to a higher up Yakuza. Or, or something. I would, I would find a way to hire a ninja or whatever. <laughs> Just hire somebody to murder them. I don't know if I could do it myself because I'm, I'm I would know, hire you. Gifted. You're really good with nunchucks. I am good with nunchucks, I would but I still you. don't think I can take on Yakuza people. I would just, uh, yeah, I would hire like Liam Neeson or something like to go after and just and make it painful, please. I'll give you more money. I agree with you. I, I think so. I mean, it's just, it's a grave injustice and to get seven years or five years. You can see why this case like totally polarizes people though. When like, if you're into true crime and like, this is definitely a case that I think a lot of people like draw the line out. They're like, I just don't want to hear about this. Yeah. When you mentioned it to me, I remember being like, oh, it's pretty gruesome, but uh, I'd never actually even uh, heard of this one. Yeah. It's but definitely yeah. one of the worst things. I think, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a horrible thing that she had to endure. And then the fact that the injustice of how they pretty much escaped any real punishment. Yeah, and they're still alive out there living their lives. Yeah, that's terrible. That is terrible. I hope she gets them right from her TV and haunts them <laughs> to this day. That's what I want to see. Um, God, you really killed my buzz with my laminated card now. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going to go... On, yeah, uh, go Tinder. out there, I'm live gonna, your life. It's what she would have no, wanted, mate. I know, but I'm, I'm going to take a little break from it for now. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. God. <laughs> Put my laminated card away. Uh, People's episode 790 here is sick and wrong. We have some news stories coming up next. Uh, we have some phone calls a little later in the show. But first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey, guys, it's Stephen again. Just calling from Evan through a miracle of cybernetic processes. Just to say, thanks for creating your Patreon page. I love to kick back and smoke a fat one with my boy Carl Sagan. While we listen to the extra phone calls and stories we get all the time. Anyway, talk soon. Love you. Bye. So first story we have here has to do with a children's book author who was killed by a neighbor who thought he was a Russian spy spreading COVID. I love this headline. Yeah, it's a great, so great neighbor. I also believe that, yeah, children's authors probably do deserve to die. Yeah, I think it depends on the children's book. Like, I love Roald Dahl. He could, he could live. He was a bit of a nasty bastard, you know. Yeah, he was kind of like Shel Silverstein, also a weirdo. Yeah, you know? I mean, you do have to have a bit of weirdo about you to be. Yeah, to be a, uh, a you know, children's uh, Who's the guy? Uh, Lemony Snicket. You know who that is Doctor Zeus. No, Lemony Snicket wrote. Uh, oh, he's a San Francisco author, but just a weirdo. I've seen him at in at uh, art events in San Francisco. You ever uh, heard of that guy? I know. I know the film. Obviously, the Jim Carrey. Well, <laughs> I've never seen a, it. Well, but it's I am a aware. kid series. Yeah, you know, they all are. Um, Lemony Snicket. Who's the guy that wrote this? Lemony Snicket, A Series of Unfortunate Events. Um, it's uh, written by Daniel Handler. You can okay. see that guy in San Francisco every now and then. I've only seen him like once at an art, art thing. And uh, someone was like, oh, that's the Lemony Snicket author. And I was thinking I should kill him. 
I agree. He's spreading COVID. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's kind of crazy, though, because you always think, out, out of as far as authors go, you think a children's book author is completely benign. It's like, who would be like, oh, that guy is a Russian spy spreading COVID. Um, the gunman, the neighbor here, had previously been detained under the Mental Health Act uh, between September 2019 to April 2020. So he'd been detained for like almost a year under the uh, Mental Health Act in the UK, which is uh, a piece of legislation that covers the assessment, treatment, and rights of people with a mental health disorder. So if you're detained under the Mental Health Act, they don't need your consent. They will just they will just lock commit you. you, lock you up if they th- if they feel that you're a risk of harm to yourself or to others. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so this guy had been locked up for almost a year. He got released, and then sure enough, he thinks his neighbor is a Russian spy. Uh, so children's author James Nash was shot and beaten to death by a neighbor with mental health issues after he became convinced that uh, the victim was a spy working for Russian President Vladimir Putin to spread COVID-19. How did he get a gun? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. This is Britain, man. It's oh, Britain, wait, I'll it? get to that in a oh, second. Oh, okay. Um, but this is an interesting point. So this guy somehow found out that it wasn't China behind it it was putin all along mm, that sexy putin i totally thought he it can was get behind China. me all day long <laughs> you do have an unnatural attraction to putin. i like putin i'm not saying i fancy him but I, I i think you fancy him i think there's just something a bit like i would totally go for dinner and play footsie under the table with him have He's you got okay. something alluring about him be honest how many times have you wanked to putin oh that picture of him where he's topless on a horse um probably about 10 times that one i knew it see yeah. you get this weird but you can wank other people and not fancy them it's just like, this unnatural affinity <laughs> i meant uh to vladimir putin i don't get it it's weird he's a bit cheeky there's just something a bit cheeky about he's him. just evil the guy, you know he's, he's my height just he's evil. really he's really, really sure he's five four but he could like kick everyone's ass he's like a he judo could. He master was like, he was like a super soldier as well yeah just just an evil bastard he's that just guy. like a little bit cheeky wouldn't be surprised him. if he like created covid so I, i'm kind of agreeing with the neighbor here um, Alex Sartain, 34 years old, shot Mr. Nash, the children's book author, at, who is age 42. He used a homemade double-barreled shotgun. What? Yeah, this guy made his own gun. Like Ash from Evil Dead. There's something weird about this guy. Obviously, he has mental health issues. But he's, like, obsessed with military, so I think he, like, figured out how to make his own shotgun. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's lie. like... Yeah, I mean, I, I would have no idea how to do that. I wonder what it looked like. Oh, I bet it looked janky as fuck. Like, like, like a blunderbuss? Like that's a big, yeah. stupid-looking uh, <laughs> musket? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, he shot him with his homemade double-barreled shotgun, and then he repeatedly stamped on his head, causing him fatal injuries. Oh. Uh, the incident occurred in the front garden of Mr. Nash's home in Upper Enham, near Andover, Hampshire, on uh, the 5th of August, 2020. Uh, where is that? Is that a uh, in your assessment shithole? No shithole. Hampshire, pretty. Mm, I don't think I've actually ever been to Hampshire, so they can be without a shithole. Oh, you don't know. I, I don't know. I think people should uh, write in and tell us what Hampshire is like. All right. I think it was kind of posh. Well, it must be the south of England. I'm it assuming because it said he died three days later at Southampton General Hospital. Southampton is pretty shitholey. And that's like, yeah, that's pretty far south. It's very far south compared to me in the north. Yeah, you're on like opposite ends of the country. Totally. 
A post-mortem examination here found that Mr. Nash had deflected the gunshot with his left hand. It must not have been a very good double-barreled shotgun if he could deflect the gunshot. Yeah. Um, but he died from the multiple blunt force injuries when the guy was stamping him. On his head. Yeah. Curb stomping him, basically. More or less. Uh, his wife, uh, the victim's wife, Sarah Nash, said uh, she'd been on a video call when she heard the gunshot and raised voices from the garden where her husband had been working. I don't know if he was writing another children's book. Uh, she said she found Mr. Sartain just stamping on her husband's head multiple times with intent. So, yeah, he was full-on curb-stomping the children's author. Wow. What a death. Um, she said, as soon as I opened the front door, I could see a man in full black leathers stamping on the face of my husband who is flat out on his back, full black leathers. I think a bit sexy about that. I, I, thought, yeah, I thought you were going to say like full like combat gear. Like camouflage. Full back leathers is a bit... Yeah, no, I wouldn't I'm have expected like, him to wear that. I'm picturing Rob Halford from Judas Priest. I'm picturing like Vince Taylor. Oh, Ben for leather. Oh, like Elvis in his comeback yeah, special. Yeah, I guess he probably like the Elvis outfit. Yeah, I could yeah, see that. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm maybe seeing. Vince Taylor. Yeah. Little Ben Negan. It's, it's all there. I think it'd be cooler if he was like dressed like an extra from Road Warrior, just with like spikes. That would have been way cooler. <laughs> but anyway, he's sitting there just uh, curb stomping her husband. Um, and then he looked at her, and he and he was asking her what she was going to do to compensate him for the loss of income and livelihood that he had suffered, and that she knew exactly what was going on. So the guy's stomping on her husband's head, and he's like, what are you going to do to pay me back for all the uh, suffering Give and loss of income money. I've had? Um, she said that... Uh, that she was part of the reason he said that she was part of the reason that he was locked up, probably because she lives next door to a psycho. Um, and uh, she said he said that uh, he knew that she wasn't who she said she is. She knew he knew that she's a NASA scientist, and that uh, he knew everything about Project Pandora which is what she was working on. What's Project Pandora? I had to look that up. That's okay. why I think this guy's a military guy, because he yeah. made his own shotgun. He's got his weird leather outfit. I don't know if military guys have that, but maybe. I mean, Nazis did. Um, but apparently in the 60s, uh, the U.S. State Department was responsible for looking at biological changes associated with uh, microwaves. And so the Defense Advanced Research Projects with the Division of the Pentagon was looking at possible behavioral effects from microwaves. And so uh, they started a program that was codenamed TUMS, and uh, eventually they changed it to um, DARPA, Program Plan 562, but then it was more uh, generally known by its codename Project Pandora, which was an exploration of the behavioral effects of microwaves. You're talking about um, like the microwaves in the kitchen. I guess, like, yeah, radiation the, on the, human uh, bodies. are becoming popular. They're just talking about... Uh, well, this was in microwave. the 60s, so yeah, probably, no, yeah. Well, microwaves were introduced, I think, was it 1957? The first yeah, so it was probably around out? that time. People were probably distrustful. And so this guy was like, oh, you know, she works for NASA. She's probably using her microwave to get inside my mind. I mean, he's an insane person. He is, It's like such a retro thing to throw it back to. You're using a microwave on me, honey. Well, I think he's probably like radio waves and radiation and This guy should never play Fallout 4. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. <laughs> she said that she attempted to calm him down, but she ran away when she thought he was about to attack her. 
It reminds me of a guy that uh, I think I, I might have talked about on the show before, but it might have been before your time, so I'll repeat myself. Um, the Kesslers in uh, Bay City, Michigan, they live next to this guy, th- this family, the Shem family, and they had this son named Shem. Peter Shem. Yeah. Peter Shem. Peter Shem, who was just a weird dude. His last name is such a Shem. Shem, yeah. <laughs> yeah what a Shem. Peter Shem was in high school, I think, till the age of 16. 15 and then the family committed him because he had like schizophrenia he was whacked and then he got out of the hospital or yeah the mental home or wherever he was in i don't think he like i don't think he had been committed like involuntarily i think his family just committed him and he just lived in this home and then he moved back when i think we were probably like sophomores or freshman high school freshman sophomores and we'd see Peter Shem every now and then. Like I'd go over to Kessler's house, and Kessler would be like, "Dude, look at Peter Shem," because <laughs> he had just gotten out, and he would literally be butt naked with like a garden hose in the middle of January, standing in the, their front yard, just like spraying the garden hose just on the ground, just naked. He needs cigarette. to go back. He's not finished cooking. Well, he needs to go back. <laughs> he went, you would see the guy, and everyone be like, "Holy shit, Peter Shem's back!" And so we'd talk about it. And then I think it was maybe like two or three months later. There was a Jewish family that lived up from the Kesslers, uh, who were a prominent family in uh, in Bay City. I don't want to say the last name. The guy, well, he was a judge, but he was also a member of the synagogue. And uh, Peter Shem, middle of the night, smashed all their windows and spray painted swastikas all over their house. Like night the of the of broken glass <laughs> <Yeah>. in Bay City. <laughs> <laughs> and so then Peter Shem was sent away. Forever. I don't know whatever happened to the guy. I never you should saw find him again. out. You should find out from the other castle. I wonder. He was creepy looking. He had like a mustache and kind of like long, scraggly hair. They always do. They Fucking have a huge it's dick. Like... <laughs> 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 no, he's ex- he looked exactly how you think. All skinny. It's like how nonces always have a certain yeah. look. It's like madmen all have they that have look those too. Yellow glasses. Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> they anyway. Have feather um. Mr. Sartain's father here um, said his son had a problem with Mr. Nash and thought that he had something to do with Putin and spreading COVID. Well, don't you think if your son is saying that your neighbor here is working with Putin to spread COVID, wouldn't you be like, maybe we should go back to the mental hospital and have you checked out again, son? Yeah, we'll just go back for like, just, you know, it's just a checkup. Don't might, worry. Might be time to have you committed again. Unless just, his dad was like, Putin is doing it. I agree. Well, I may- agree yeah, maybe. I don't know. I would be like, just put this white jacket on and let me <laughs> tie it up here in the back and get you all nice and snug. Um, he said uh, Mr. Sartain, who was detained, his son was detained under the Mental Health Act, I believe Mr. Nash, who had previously worked as a graphic designer oh, for my daddy. a company called Airbus, um, had been working in conspiracy with Boeing and NASA and under, you know, working for Putin to uh, create covid and that's why the pandemic occurred. Because P- stop blaming Putin. Poor Putin. He's just like trying to run his country badly. <laughs> but let him. Just invade other countries. Yeah. You know, why not? Um, the inquest here also heard that Mr. Sartain, who had died on the same day as Mr. Nash because he crashed his motorcycle being pursued by the police. Oh, and is, that's why he's wearing leathers. He's in bike leathers. Oh, he's probably he's in bike off, leathers. Yeah, he's in his bikey leathers. I didn't even put that together. Yeah. But he thought he was being tracked by the CIA, MI6, and SO19, which I had to look up, but apparently that's some kind of English special forces. Okay. I never heard of that before. 
Um, Sartain's brother here, Scott, said, over the past few years, Alex's mental health uh, really started to deteriorate. He would often stay in his room talking to himself, talking to people from the space and government agencies that were spying on him. And he would just be in his room for hours talking to them. You know what I'm imagining? You know that meme of Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny when he's at the graph? With the graph of yeah, all the things. Yeah, that's what I'm imagining this guy was. But in the middle, he's just a picture of Putin. And he's he's linking it all back <laughs> to him, baby. everything back to Putin. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, the fact that, like, if my brother had just been staying in his room for days talking to himself and talking to, uh, to, to, to space agencies and government. But he's on a lot that, of meth. Does he not do that anyways? Well, that, no, my brother doesn't do that. He just watches porn. But... Um, <laughs> And he talks back to the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I mean, if this was my brother, would you be like, Dad, we got to do something here? Yes, very instantly. Like, there's something would, going on. I wouldn't want to live with that for a year. It'd be so annoying. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Uh, recording a uh, verdict of unlawful killing, uh, the justice here, um, the coroner, actually, coroner um, Jason Pegg, said that Alex Sartain, in his mind, believed he had concerns that James Nash worked for President Putin and NASA, and James Nash was in some way in control of him and his mind. So I think he was trying to free himself. Um, Mrs. Nash here described her husband as a kind and generous man who just wanted to help people in the community at large. She said he was inspired by everything around him. He loved to draw, he loved to create, and he just wanted to share that with people. And that's how he created his characters that went into his children's books. Very sweet. You know, why couldn't this guy, instead of killing uh, Nash here, Go kill the guy that wrote that wretched book, Go the Fuck to Sleep. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Have you seen that book? No, I've never heard of that. Is that a kid's book? It's a children's book for adults. Right. No, no, no. Right. <laughs> Who this guy should have gone and kill is any adult that reads a book for child, a book for children for themselves. If you're an adult and you're reading Harry Potter, <laughs> there is something developmentally wrong with you. <laughs> I agree. Grow the fuck up. I agree. It's yes. just like, what do you, it's like, seriously, are you 12? Are you 12 years old? Read a comic book where they shag. Like, it's fine. You can do that. Comic books, I think, are fine. They're I think different. you read comic they books, different. it's different. But, like, young adult literature, it just, I don't know, it's creepy when you see people, like, reading Twilight and they're in their 50s. It's, there's something noncery It's kind of noncery. It's, it's a bit yeah. sex pesty. It's weird. Yes. It's weird. And this, and this, children, this is a different genre of books anyways. This is for, like, hip parents Ugh. who, uh, you know, think this is, like, some kind of novelty humor book. Even it's worse. like it's 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 kind of modeled after uh, Good Night Moon, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like a picture book with illustrations, and it's just like, just about a you know frustrated parents who are just like, uh, just go to sleep. We just want to watch TV. Go the fuck to sleep, and they just think it's funny because he's saying you know swear words. He had a follow up book called You Have to Fucking Eat. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah, t- t- this guy, this guy's working with Putin. Okay, kill him. Dude. I think Putin would want to kill this guy. You know, Putin should kill this guy. P- Putin, if you're <laughs> listening right now, honey, sweetheart, baby daddy, go for it. We just don't need another one of these guys' books. I don't even know the name of the author, but you people know what book I'm talking about. <laughs> go the fuck to sleep, yeah, fuck this guy. Anyway, what do you have here for the second uh, story? So for the second story, I want to say thank you to Claudia. And uh, several of the listeners for sending this in, but especially to Claudia. She's very sexy. Thank you, Claudia. Thank you. Sexy Claudia. Sexy Claudia. I got a Vax card, Claudia, (laughs) just to let you know it's laminated. (laughs) And the mummified remains of Love Has Won cult leader 
has been found in the group's Colorado home. Ooh. Cult leader, huh? Yeah. It gets going, this story. A woman who led a controversial Colorado religious group. She is dead, and seven of her followers are under investigation after the county sheriff deputies found the leader's mummified body in a sleeping bag and wrapped in Christmas lights inside a home in Moffat. Now, the fact it's called Moffat really made me laugh because there is a borders town called Moffat. It's a shithole. Moffat. So, Moffat. M-O-F-F-A-T. Moffat. Moffat. Yeah, it's funny. Like that was like a muppet. It's a funny old word, muppet. Muppet. Um, a follower told deputies that the body belonged to Leah Carlson. Ms. Carlson is believed to be the leader of Love Has Won, and she goes by the name Mother God. It is not known why the follower gave the name Leah to deputies. Maybe to just throw them off, I would imagine. But who yet knows? So wait, the cult's called Love Has Won. Love Has Won. God, this sounds so lame. Oh, I'll wait until I get into it. Mother the cult God. Gets up to you. Okay. Um, Perrin said that the body, um, she'd been dead for a while. Must have been a couple of weeks or so. She'd been skeletonized. And a follow to a follower posted a video message on Love Has One's Facebook page to say that Amy Carlson, that's her real name, has ascended. So people whose family members have been involved in Love Has Won, they say that Carlson led the cult and she was actually really abusive to all her followers. <laughs> That's well, a like shocker. A, no, but a typical cult leader, all right. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and the seven people who were at the home when the body was discovered and they were arrested, they've been um, charged with abuse of a corpse and child abuse too. Because there were two children inside this home. There was a 13-year-old girl she was placed in like um, the care of the county department of social services, and a two-year-old boy, who was returned to the custody of his father, and um, he was actually the member who reported the death to authorities. So he was aware that they had this like skeletonized Christmas tree glitter body in but the house. I don't get it. Was she like wrapped up in like shiny fabric and in a sleeping bag? She was wrapped in a sleeping bag, covered in glitter. On a bed in a back room, the body had glitter makeup around her eyes. So they tried to do her makeup for her, which is quite nice. I mean, she must have been like, you She know, was rotting. Rotting. She like... was. She didn't, they wrapped her in Christmas tree lights too. So it's like very much. <laughs> did, did people have to go and see her? Like speak to her? Like did she still lead the cult? Like were they trying to say that she was still a, you know, the leader of the cult? Or did someone else She was kind of set up? up in the middle like it was some type of shrine. They had they'd put makeup on her and there was like essential oils, incense, stuff like that around her. Which was partly seen as offerings, but also seen as like, you know, to control the fucking odor of this rotting Yeah, because it's a rotting corpse. This rotting, this rotting corpse. So they believe that they had taken her body to Colorado from California. So she she died in California, and they've like rooted her away. But is uh, the, is the cult based in California? Yeah, it's um, it's is it Creestone? Am I saying it right? Where is it? Creestone. Creestone. I don't even know. C R E Stone. Creestone. Creestone. Creston. I'm sure somebody will let me know. And then wow. I can pop back in my time machine yep. and we can re-record this. <laughs> you would be surprised at how many cults are currently operating in California. 
it'll be loads. You're all the, wackadoo out the, there. Loads. And I'm talking like some of them are like sh- sanctioned as religions and own property throughout LA. Uh, Scientology. Hey, <laughs> shush, shush. We can't mention them. But what I mean, th- but then there's like all these other ones that, you know, you probably will never hear of until like their cult leader. Like ends love up, has you know, one. Being Which mummified. Is, but like love has one. It's or been the going family since or the source. 2018. It's, so it's relatively new, but it has followers around the world. That's what they okay, always say. Um, they actually, the Sheriff's County office has now received many complaints from families saying that the group is brainwashing people and stealing their money. A member of the group posted a statement and a video about Carlson's death on the uh, Facebook page saying that their mother God has ascended. She did not pass away. She ascended. Her essence left the body of Amy Carlson at 1222. She is indeed happy now. So Amy Carlson, she was commonly referred to as Mother God, Mama Jesus, or Mom by followers. She previously declared she was a reincarnation of Joan of Arc and Marilyn Monroe. You always know the chicks are a bit crazy when they really like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah. And when they have Marilyn Monroe posters on their wall, like I do. And she claimed to be... She also claimed to be in a Hawaiian goddess of fire. So that's pretty cool. Her worshippers supposedly believed she descend through an ocean portal or by way of a spaceship. She also reportedly told her followers Donald Trump was her dad and that she could spiritually communicate. You'll never guess who she could spiritually with communicate with. No. Deceased actor Robin Williams. <laughs> Whoa, she could communicate with Mrs. Delphire. With fucking with This is Mark. amazing. Yeah. What is with it Mark. you used to say? Nanu, nanu. <laughs> <laughs> Did they even have uh, Mork here? Is that a show? Yeah, that I used TV to. I grew up watching Mork and Mindy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was definitely. Do you I know doubt... that that was a spinoff from Happy Days. Was it? Yeah, I did not know that. I never really watched Happy Days. Yeah, Mork came to uh, Milwaukee, whatever, and the Fonz met him, and like he froze the Fonz, but the Fonz like got his thumb to turn around. Oh and, like, no! Took it back. Was this when Happy Days started jumping the shark? Literally. Yeah, that it was like around it. about that time, but then they spun it off. I think it was, I mean, they spun off Laverne Shirley. They spun off uh, Journey Loves Chachi, a bunch of shows. But Mork and Mindy was one of them, one of the which I was a huge fan of. All right, well, I never knew that. The more you learn. So, um, Love Has One's uh, future remains uncertain following the death of their mother god, their mama Jesus. However, some of the group's critics suspect its followers are still actually actively recruiting new members. The Facebook page is still there. The Facebook group still going. I don't get what the benefit of being in love has won. Like, what, what are the benefits of being in this cult? These people are coming here because this is a woman who's claiming she can speak to, like, angels. She can speak to, like, Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. That's kind of, okay, I, that's kind of cool. If someone could speak to Robin Williams, I can understand. What if he could, What if she could speak to Kinnison? Would you be in that cult? Oh, totally. You know what would be better? if what was, the, um, what was the gorilla that Robin Williams fell in love with? Harambe? Oh, rest in peace, Harambe. Don't mention him. No, the other gorilla that could speak English, and he met Robin Williams, and they had a little fun time oh, Coco. together. Coco. Yeah. I'd be more impressed if she could not only speak to Robin Williams in the afterlife, she could also speak to Robin Williams who's speaking to Coco in the afterlife. Well, Coco's dead too. That's what I mean. That would impress me more if they're up in fucking heaven having a jolly good time together talking to each other. I'd be like, tell me what the gorilla's saying. You know what's interesting? I never, uh, I dated a girl in San Francisco that was telling me she volunteered 
to at the cocoa facility. Oh, did she go and meet the gorilla? She volunteered. She would like bring food and prepare food for her and all that. I bet Coco was a bastard. You no, know, she said that in order for Coco to even like look at you or or interact with you at all, you'd have to show her your tits. That's not true. I swear to God. That is not fucking true. That is something the scientists have done That's so they can get you so they can see some tits. Because maybe, scientists but she don't said when she showed tits. her tits to Coco, Coco then they had a connection. Coco's a fucking pervert. Coco like titties. Total titty. I wonder if Coco had a laminated Vax card. Because uh, if that works. Titties. <laughs> 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 so, she, yeah, she was saying all this. Um, one of the things that she, the, how they recruited members is she would sell, um, Carlson would sell spiritual healing products from an online shop. So she's kind of like Gwyneth Paltrow for the soul. Yeah, it sounds like a Ponzi scheme. The group's members broadcast daily videos on Facebook and YouTube, speaking about their religious beliefs and reading divine decrees for hours, hours at a time, David. There's also another Facebook group called Love Has One Exposed, and they investigated their cult, and they said that Carlson had told followers she would ascend through all of this, and that's how the allegations of the abusiveness and the fact that she was stealing money was she was stealing them. money from the cult? She was stealing money off all these did people. Did they live in like a commune or something? Or did she live in like a palace? And they she lived, lived in like, like tents, Yeah, it was like, like a little yurts. commune. And then they would all like share houses together. So another Love Has One follower said that mom has told us all this was coming. She'd prepared the team and all who feel for her for these moments. But moments is spelled M-O-N. You know, within capitals, because she's the mom. Oh, moments. moments. Oh, okay, very right. clever. Sharing frequent stories of 20, 2008 when the Galactics took mom to the ship and they shared with her that this was a death mission. <laughs> what okay, the wait. fuck are these people I, on, What man? I don't understand. <laughs> this was like, this cult makes zero sense. She can communicate with Robin Williams. She thinks she's a, a, a And angels. She can also communicate with angels. But she thinks she's like a reincarnation of Joan of Arc and, and Marilyn Monroe. Monroe. <laughs> you can speak to angels and aliens. It's like, what's next? Like, does she know where, like, fucking Atlantis is or something? Like, she goes and that's where she, there, her, she has a summer home there. Like, th- this is the most asinine cult I think I've ever heard I of. kind of always think, like, a fool in their money are easily parted. And in this situation, I'm happy that she abused them and took all I their money. I always think it's, like, they're full on rotundo level. Like, they're beyond fool. I would have kind of liked to have met her to just be like, really? This chick? You just, all think this chick know. is great? Yeah. Like, talk about a grifter. I mean, I wouldn't even say she's a grifter. She's beyond being a grifter. Yeah. So in September, um, a group from Love Has One, including Carlson, they left Hawaii under police escort after protesters led, led a multi-day standoff where the group was staying. The Hawaiian demonstrators said that Love Has One practices were offensive and they had desecrated their culture. So she's not only like an abusive bitch, she's also a racist bitch too. <laughs> so she desecrated Hawaiian culture? Yeah, how do you think she did that? Did she like refuse to eat spam? They don't eat spam there, do they? It's like one of the biggest foods in Hawaii. In Hawaii? Spam. Yeah, they love it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I've never heard that. Well, now you know. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess when I, I go to Hawaii. I always wanted to go to Hawaii. I want to go to um, the island with all the, the lepers. The leper. Yeah, the leper colony. The leper colony. Although there's still people with leprosy on that island. Yeah. So you have to be are careful. Are you like immunized against leprosy? I f- yeah, I think so. At this point? I think. I think like we probably can catch it. Yeah, no, if I don't want to do all that. But I still want to go see it. 
Did your dick fall off? Well, uh, mine already fell off a long time ago from overuse. Yeah. From all the chicks I've taken to pound town, I've worn it to a <laughs> nub. <laughs> so a member of the group said that they traveled to Hawaii then because of Mother God's declining health, saying their leader was suffering from cancer and she'd been paralyzed from the waist down. According to some of the group's former members, the death of Carlson was anticipated. They noticed her condition had deteriorated in recent months. I'm not surprised at her passing, Andrew Profosi told CBS Denver. She was not in very good health and getting worse. Profosi, who said he left the group, described it as a cult, and he said these people were solely focused on worshipping her as a mother god instead of focusing on an awakening and helping people. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not, it's, it's definitely not like a beneficial cult. Like, they don't benefit anybody. No, they only benefited her, and now she's dead. Yeah, I mean, they just, uh, I mean, she just abused these people and conned them into giving her money. Wouldn't you like that for your dead body, though, if somebody was like, I'm going to just make a little shrine with David, and they would just, like, wrap you in something nice and then put some glitter on your face and just, like, leave you there and kind of worship you? I think it'd be cooler if she looked like a crypt keeper and, like, they could move That's her mouth. I- yeah. I imagine it's like corpse paint, but with glitter. If, I mean, if I were them, just to give them some ideas, I'd probably have done something like that and like string the mouth up to like so you could move the mouth like a puppeteer That's and then clever. put a recording. <gasps> of her talking. Either that or a microphone and have someone in the back just kind of saying things. I would have done it where it said that fucking god-awful Marilyn Monroe quote that Marilyn Monroe didn't even say about, if you can't handle me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. Oh, I remember was, that. That's what all the basic bitches love that quote. I thought it was if it feels like more than two fingers, it's probably a dick. Uh, Marilyn Monroe also said that. She, she said <laughs> she said that when she was in the orphanage. That was David Tell. <laughs> but Marilyn Monroe, I think he stole it from Marilyn Monroe. I think he did. Yeah, they should have rigged that up so she could like laugh like the crypt keeper and be like, "Give me your money." <laughs> I agree with you. They've missed a trick. So what? So what happens? Someone like uh, just said, "Hey, there's a corpse in here." Yeah, and then they've gone and arrested the people, and it's still kind of under investigation. No, what they're probably going to get done with desecration of a corpse and moving a corpse over state lines. That's probably the two. I just want are the people going to be like you know, disenchanted, like you know, like we we need a new cult. Love hasn't won. Yeah, love, love apparently not. <laughs> In this case. Um, people send your stories, stick around podcast at uh, gmail.com. We have some phone calls coming up next. Three two three five two two four zero three two is that number. Uh, but first, here's a word from Adam and Eve. Hey, sick and wrong listeners. Want to add a little spice to your sex life? Go to adamandeve.com. You'll get 50% off your purchase, free shipping, two adult DVDs, and a product so sensual, we can't even mention it on this podcast. No, no. Just type the coupon code DIDDLE upon checkout. A few phone calls to get to. People can call the Sick Around Hotline at 323-522-4032. Uh, this first call is uh, from uh, Christopher Siege. Cool. Going Chris- in with a drug story. On the island. 
Hey, Dean and Kate. Uh, Christopher Siege here calling in. Uh, I'm just listening to episode 787 right now and heard you guys talking about uh, uh, like juice bars and pizza places, like selling drugs and shit like that. And I have a little bit of a story to share on that front. Uh, so back in like 2004, I had these two friends. Uh, we'll call them Hank and Jeff. Not their real names, but that's not really important. So uh, there was this the city, we, the town that we were living in, there was this, like, uh, like real, like, crack shack, like, pizza place um, uh, that was literally in a, like, one-room, like, shed, basically, on the parking lot of the gas station. Wait a second. So it's a pizza place that's in a one-room shed? To be fair, that sounds like a good pizza place. I already know <laughs> I want to go and eat there. I bet they have the mozzarella sticks are fucking great. I would be looking for the uh, rating. Like if it said, you know, if it was an A or, you know, I, I would go there. But if there's no, if it's anything under under an A and it's in a shed, then I pass on that. Do they do that in the UK? Do they rate their restaurants like He's an A, B, or C? He's in the island. He's not in the UK. Yeah, but do they do that in the UK? The, yeah. Oh, so you guys have the rating that's in the window, like an A or a B or a C? Yeah, numbers. Hmm. But like what? What like number one, number two? Yeah, five is perfect, and if you're a one, there's no hope. So do you, but can you tell? Like if you go to a restaurant, can you be like, oh, that that one has a four? Yeah, you can look it up. It's like on on Google and all that stuff. But you don't know if you just go to the restaurant. It's in the door. Oh, okay, because in in LA, I think San Francisco too. It's prominently displayed. It'll say like A or B or C. I would never go to anything under an A. Like, would you eat? Would you eat a three? It's like right. So the difference between four and five is really close. It's not like a matter of light or day. You can four is still like it's really clean. There's just like improvements that can be made, and sometimes it can be different in the UK that they'll fuck you because they can say, "All right, well, you don't have disabled toilets, so I'm taking away twenty marks." So it could just be something like that. Oh, see, in the in the U.S., like you you got to be pretty fucked up to get a B or a C. Really, like, the, yeah, that's like rats, cockroaches kind of thing. Really? Yeah, it's gnarly. Like you really have to fuck up. And plus, they warn you. They warn you multiple times. I would never go. I think four is kind of the lowest I go. Three. Yeah. yeah. But like, why would you even ever go to a one? And why would you keep your restaurant open? <laughs> why is the government allowing like, oh yeah, you've got a one. <laughs> Be open. But they were takeout and delivery pizza place. So uh, Hank uh, revealed to us that you could buy drugs from this place. So we we went there one day and got a bunch of blow. And apparently they sold like weed and meth and a bunch of other shit like that. Uh, I want to know if you had to like order a special pizza, like extra pineapples, extra oregano. Yeah, that. Well, I remember at uh, in college. I think I mentioned this when we were talking about this on the show. But uh, there's a place in Ann Arbor, this pizza shop that a bunch of our friends work. And if you called and you're like, "Yeah, I'll take that with extra mushrooms," they would like slip a weed, a bag of weed, like in the box, nice. and they delivered it. Yeah, so we got some blow. And uh, a couple weeks later, uh, other friend, uh, Jeff, decided that, hey, now that we know that they sell drugs from this place, we'll just go there and ask to buy some. 
Now, I didn't think this was a very good idea, but I still went with him anyway. <laughs> for this, and this was back in like 2004, so I was like fucking 19 and a complete moron. But so we go there, and uh, yeah, Jeff like literally goes to the counter uh, and uh, asks to <laughs> buy an eight ball. And uh, yeah, I was like standing outside because <laughs> I'm like, no, you like you take care of this man. So he goes to the counter and orders a pizza and also like literally asks to buy an eight ball. And all of a sudden, like two big dudes, like literally, like grab him and throw him through the doors, like out the store, and tell both of us never to fucking come back <laughs> ever again. Uh, and other buddy Hank flipped the fuck out over this. Uh, yeah, thought that was worth sharing. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, seriously, if you're gonna do that, you have to be in the know. Like the ones in New York. You had, like, a card that you had to show, like, a little card, and you paid for, like, a membership in order to do it. So, I mean, you, you weren't just going in blindly off the street being like, hey, can I get an eight ball? Do you know what, though? We have a saying in the North where it's shy bands getting out. What the hell does that mean? It means, if, like, you've got to kind of have that bravado to ask for it. Because if you shy kids get nothing, do you? you got to ask. And if you don't ask, then you're not going to get it. Yeah, I just think the odds of you getting any drugs just kind of walking off the street without knowing anybody is pretty nil. It could have been, but also at the same time, the guys could have been like, yeah. And then they could have scored. It could have been a good drug story. I guess you can't hate him for trying. But I remember one time, uh, it's a funny sleazy story. We went to this bar. It's not even there anymore. It's called RJ's. It's kind of actually near where my sister lives. The RJ's was a notorious Coke spot. And it was a kind of a Hispanic bar. But I know people had gone in there and had gotten blow before because you could. But I think you just had to know somebody. So one time, so we were, I don't know why we went there. It was after some event thing that we went to. And we ended up like trying to get blow. And he's like, oh, we can go to RJ's. I was like, do you know anyone at RJ's? He's like, I think you just, if you're cool about it, you'll figure it out. And so we go to this bar, and yeah, it's like all Mexican dudes. I'm sure there were people in there that dealt blow. I mean, I don't know. And so this woman was the bartender, and so when she came over, she was like, hey, what would you guys like? And I was like, yeah, I'll take a whiskey soda. And he's like, you know, I'll take a uh, you know, Stella, and I'll also take something else. And she, <laughs> she was just like, uh, what do you want, a shot? No, you know. And she was like, uh, I don't know. I would have thought she would have thought, are you asking for, like, my number? She was so confused. Yeah. She, she was, like, I don't know, probably in her 40s or something. She's like, and he goes, you know. And she's like, uh, and, I mean, keep in mind, CZ was wasted. I was pretty wasted. And I was just, like, really embarrassed, but I also was very amused. And so she was like, I don't know. Do you want a beer and a shot? He's like, I'll take a beer and something extra. And she was like, uh, are you going to tell me what it is? And he's like, you know. And then she just kind of like walked away and got the beers and refused to serve us at all. Yeah, I totally would have thought that Sleazy was trying to ask for like my pussy. I don't know what he was thinking, but we didn't get any cocaine. I've scored by just like looking at like fucked people in the club and being like 
they've got drugs and going up and asking them. I've scored like that. That works for women. I suppose. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I mean, I, you can sometimes with dudes too, but women can usually go up and be like, oh, hey, you got an extra blow? And the dude will be like, oh, hot chick, sure. I'm not just, no, I, I'm not just talking about like, I've gone up to chicks and been like, yeah, you got pills tonight. And they've just gone, yeah. It's like, can I get, can I get some? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, buy it or do they just give it to you? Oh, no, you buy it. Wow. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it. I think it, you just have to have an, uh, you know, an inkling of what of your surroundings, and then you can true. feel it out. That's true. But anyway, shy bands you, getting uh, out. Thank you, Chris Siege. That was a hilarious story. Good egg. All right, we got a second call here. Is uh, from your mom, Kate. <gasps> I love my mom, and it's America's Mother's Day as well. Oh, it is. It's Mother's Day. Yeah. It's yeah. Like America's Mother's Day, not English Mother's Day. No, we've already celebrated it. Hi, Kate. Hi, Dee. I'm back. I'm a little bit more well-informed about vaginal farts, or varts, (laughs) as they're commonly known. Um, I've done a little bit of research. I've been on Google, and I've discovered... Your mum's a nurse, though, right? I know, and I like that she's she's dedicated to the vart, Yeah, and she's she's, researching it. Well, I would trust her opinion, because she's a nurse. I would, too, completely. Yeah, so she's done some research here. Quite a lot, actually. <laughs> now, apparently, I have to concede it is a thing. Um, admittedly, I don't think it's as common as Kate would have us all believe. Um, it is quite a rare occurrence. Well, not for Kate, it's not rare. It's, I don't for think other I'm... women, it, it is might be rare. I've never said it's a common thing, but it <laughs> happens, and it definitely happens when, it, like, maybe my mum doesn't wear as tight or whorish clothes as I do. <laughs> but if you're wearing a pair of disco pants, uh, yeah, it's gonna happen. You said it happens like eight to twelve times a day, right? No <laughs> more. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and people who can do it are definitely in the small minority. Um, Does this mean I've got a diamond-level pussy, though? So it must be the people who can do it all have diamond-level pussies. Yeah, or maybe extremely large labia that capture <laughs> farts. <laughs> it's a thing. It happens to some women. Apparently, it's to do with um, wearing tight pants or tight underwear, or a particular position that you might be lying on on the couch. I don't think it's something that happens a lot. Um, And I do think it has to be under certain circumstances. But yeah, I concede it is a thing. Other people have been on the internet writing about it and talking about it. And whilst I was doing my research... I've sort of stumbled on a BuzzFeed article that just reminded me of steel, and I'm actually wondering. So you've mentioned that uh, your mum here is a huge fan of From the Ville. Yeah, she's like, um, whenever I mention From the Ville, she always com- comments on the group, and she's like, what episode are you on? Have you made it to this episode and listened to this? I think she's like been listening to it for years and years and years. You know, next time we're, we uh, have steel on the show... Uh, we should ask him about vaginal farts. And uh, if Steele has experienced them with his lady loves. Yeah, I would, th- I would like to know. I mean, I just, I don't know if I've ever discussed varting with Steele. I don't think Steele has ever mentioned it either. Because 
to say to my uh, to my mum, I'm getting pretty far in the past from the bill because I've listened from the very last episode, so I'm making my way back to like episode one. Um, I've gone past the hundreds now. I'm Keep in it. mind, Kate's never done this for Sick and Wrong, but only I can't from the afford bill. the archives of Sick and Wrong. What? It's like $10. $10 um, Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, after I finish From the Ville, I'm going to listen to it. Because so much of like you and Wackerly is on From the Ville, and they play snippets of your show, I'm going to listen to the archives of From the Ville next, and it'll be weird, because then I'll be like, oh, this is the this is the episode that was on From the Ville. Yeah, you've you've emailed me different snippets, and I barely remember those. <laughs> like, like I kind of remember it. I remember the uh, the the wackily not saying goodbye to Steel at the podcast convention. That, I've got to that episode. Yeah, long it's running so issue. funny. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Whether Steel is actually gender fluid, and perhaps identifies some days as Kate Notopolis who is a reporter that has written this article on what to call the fart from the back that goes into the front and then out again. Um, and I think they did decide on the word vart, but I'll just read you this little list. Okay. And I'm sure when I read it to you, you'll be like me, you'll read it and you'll think, oh my gosh, that, that has got to be Steele's work that's come up with this list. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Steel Moonlights is a BuzzFeed journalist. <laughs> I mean, would you be surprised by that? I would. Steel can barely use a computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's a good writer. He is a, an exceptionally good writer, and he's a very funny man. But, like, I'm surprised he could even turn a computer on. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm amazed. I know he doesn't use... I think he's off of Facebook now, except for, like, occasional comments and likes, but... I was always amazed at how prolific he was at one point on Facebook. <laughs> what, using it? Just like like blogging. And he was using it as like a blog for his rants. But I was just amazed. And I'm like, I didn't even think he had a computer. <laughs> Nobody else could have come up with it. So the words for this type of fart are vart, cooter pooter, <laughs> Retweeting, sorry, I can't say that right. Exiting through the gift shop. Fire in the hole. Like it. Waiting to exhale. <laughs> huffing the exhaust pipe. Home invasion. Gaslighting Ingrid Bergman. A Ted Cruz in the White House. A Tempest in a teacup. Breaching the castle walls. And my personal favourite. Gas in the gash. <laughs> Fumigating the basement, steaming the curtains, a new arc breeze, wind in the willows, puss in toots, it's another one I quite like, rollers, full frontal. Oh, wait, you get, there's, there is a part two here. I do love Ted Cruz in the White House. Yeah, so you make it. I think what she was saying, a Newark breeze, like as in Newark, New Jersey. Oh, yeah, because it's Which foul. Which smells like shit. Yeah. Everywhere. Oh, well, the city. British equivalent of that would be, like, um, the Hull Breeze, because Hull <laughs> smells like shit. <laughs> Ted Cruz in the White House. <laughs> some of these are very historical. I quite like how historical Exit some of through these the are. gift shop's pretty good. It's pretty funny. Right, here's part two. 
Hi, sorry I got cut off there. I've been talking for too long, but I'll mm. just continue with these. The butterfly effect, <laughs> Belfry, around the hole in 80 days, a Boston exhale, a funt, a, a Febreze, fun. a quart, or hot boxing. So there you go. That is the list that I actually think either Steele wrote and this lady plagiarised because she found his notes somewhere, or he is actually a BuzzFeed reporter called Katie Notabolus, and he's got a bit of a secret that he needs to share with us all. Um, the only other things I found out about it um, was that apparently some people are quite worried about it. Oh. And there was a virgin who was on Yahoo Answers who was asking about it. She suffers this. And her question was, will it actually improve or make sex worse when she eventually has it? Which I thought was what? a bit of a funny thing to be wondering about. <laughs> Wait, so Kate, have you ever like varded? And it went into your <laughs> vagina, but then it didn't come out completely. And then a guy went down to go down on you. And then he spread it open and then it just came out like just like, you know. I've, I've done that, but it became a baby. And then that was one of my many, many, many abortions. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that was like abortion number seven. Well, you know how, like, I just was wondering if, like, you could save a heart and release it later. No. It just kind of comes in and goes out. That's like platinum level pussy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it would just be a funny thing to do to, like, you know, a boyfriend that you're annoyed with. It's like, gotcha. Like I said, though, it's not like the, it's not like the fart goes inside. It doesn't go inside the puss. I thought you, I thought you said it went in your uterus. No, it doesn't go inside your uterus. It, like, comes up through your, <laughs> comes up through your pussy lips. Does it touch the clitoris? Yeah, it sweeps past the clitoris. So it goes all the way up through, like, your labia. It's like a fart the... going the wrong way. It's like a fart going the wrong way down a one-way street. Huh. Interesting. Exiting through the gift shop. <laughs> yes. Makes you think, what goes through people's minds? Anyway, um, that's it. The only other thing I came up with, I wondered whether or not it might be to do with the size of the labia. And obviously, Kate's must be tiny and beautiful, whereas Thank some of us aren't quite so lucky and we have great big blubber shutters and it wouldn't matter how we were lying. Or... <laughs> Wait, is that a from the bill term, blubber shutters? <laughs> you know, some dudes love blubber shutters. Yeah, like the bigger the better. Joe Kelly is a huge fan of the blubber shutters. Really? Just like massive, he wants massive Massive, yeah. like pastrami type beef curtains. Yeah. yeah I don't, that's like Joe Kelly's favorite. You know what I don't agree with is like like the women's going off and getting them cut to make them look like neat and tidy. I think that's like I don't gross. understand. It's like a, a, I guess a, a vaginoplasty or a vagioplasty. Yeah. I yeah, totally I think that's mutilation. That. It's mutilation, man. Yeah, but it's also it just to me it seems like a, like a body dysmorphia thing. Like they're of course they're getting surgery for no reason. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I mean, but you know, it's like I don't think surgery on your genitals is 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 something that's unnecessary. I mean, I, I, well, obviously, I think it, you should just love what you got. But I think some people, you know, if if 
some people had a micro penis and there's surgery to give you like a normal sized dick. I think mm. that is acceptable. That's fair enough in that case, yeah. But like, if you've just got like labia, like get over it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just deal with it. Blubber shutters. Tight our pants were, they'd be stuck together, dangling down, and nothing gets in that shouldn't. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's it. I'm fine. Um, love you loads. Hope you didn't mind me phoning back and talking too much. I feel like I've spoken for ages. Um, keep it sexy. Keep it wrong. Bye. Love my mom. I do love your mom. She is she's amazing, and she I, did research. She did research, and I really respect that. Like she's a clever <laughs> woman. I think like when we get it's been a while since we talked to Steel. Was it February on the Patreon? Yeah, I can't remember when last time we had him on. Yeah, so we need to get Steel on, but we should definitely ask my mom some questions that she's always wanting to ask Steel and he's never answered. And we'll get Steel to answer them just for my mom. Yeah, maybe we could see if she wants to call them in and we'll play. Oh, we'll play, play them play for Steel. Steel's yes. Or mom. we could see if she wants to be on with Steel. I don't know if he could oh, do it. Oh, I think she'd love that. Would that be amazing? Talking to Steel. <laughs> Steel would love it. He'd be like, oh my. <laughs> my goodness. I blubber shutters sounds like something <laughs> seal something seal has said. Bill. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, that, that you know I've always said that was like sick and wrongs. We were sister shows. Yeah, you know at the time because we both started around the same time. Uh, they did. I mean, they would do two shows a week. We never did. We always did one. But I mean, yeah, we were like sister shows. I love how much Wackily loved that show. Wackily was. Yeah, Wacker is a huge fan of From the Ville. He's uh, he's always mentioning From the Ville. I, I I mean I probably listened to I bet you I listened to all the episodes. Yeah. But, I mean there were some that really stood out for me though that I did love. But I know all the people that are you know except I mean except I never knew Mr. Spring Break but all the other people. Oh, I he's know. dead now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I asked Steele and because I've been listening, I asked him like, "What's everyone up to?" And he just said, "There's a From the Bill curse," and pretty much everyone. Yeah, is no, dead. a lot of people <laughs> on that show are dead. Although a lot of people that were on Sick and Wrong are dead too. I suppose, but yours, like, how long has your show been going since 2006? Like, From the Bill is like, you know, it's been finished it's only a long time. Three years, I think. Yeah, and a lot of the people are dead. <laughs> dead, but I bet you that's th- that's what I'm saying. If they were on still going, I bet you they'd have a lot of people dead too. You know. Uh, but no, it's a great show, and the, the I think the the other thing I really do like about From the Ville is it's a time capsule. Completely, that's another reason why I like. Yeah, it. It from makes like me very nostalgic. I would say like 2006 to 2009, like that period of history. It is. It's is great. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, so I guess same in the, the old sick and wrong episodes too, because we do topical news. But it is weird. It is weird. Um, but thank you. Um, Kate's mum for calling in and yeah. doing research on the VART. Happy Mother's American Mother's Day, Mom. Happy American Mother's Day to you. People call the Sick Wrong Hotline, 323-522-4032. Um, check out the Reddit page if you haven't been on there, r slash Sick and Wrong Podcast, no spaces. Um, I know people bitch about the Facebook page because we always get pinged. We always do. We always get reported on the Facebook page. I don't know if it's their bot or whatever the fuck it is, but Reddit gives you freedom. You can publish whatever whatever gross shit you want. Yeah. Yeah, so go check it out. Um, Also, if you're a big fan of the show and, uh, you know, and you you have, like, hours-long commute, um, why don't you uh, go sign up with the Patreon, get some extra content? We're doing a lot on the Patreon these days. And we do appreciate you guys supporting the show and and keeping us going. 
Um, you know, we're, we're uh, trying to do at least uh, one extra news story, extra phone calls. Uh, we do our Sick and Wrong News segment. Um, we also do a, a bonus episode called Sick and Wrong Overkill. This week, actually, we tied it into uh, to our main intro where uh, we were talking about death in Japan and just how Japan deals with suicide and death in general. And Kate found some really weird facts. Yeah, some fun facts, though. Some fun facts, yeah, yeah. yeah stuff I never um, knew. Stuff I never knew, knew about either. Um, on the news segment this week, uh, we talk about a lock of Kurt Cobain's hair that's coming up for auction. I don't know who's going to buy that. <laughs> Call me love. <laughs> um, also, a 23-year-old YouTuber is running to be mayor of London, and he's actually doing really well. Good for him. That's, that's hilarious. Why not? Um, and also, for uh, just five bucks a month, that's it. You get an extra story, extra phone calls, and outtakes. And this week, our news story is a very English story, very English, <laughs> yeah. about siblings <laughs> who murdered a man with a kebab. <laughs> yeah, a brother and sister. I've been vegetarian a while, but I tell you, um, a doner kebab is what I miss the most. <laughs> <laughs> so go get some extra content, extra sick and wrong uh, for your listening pleasure. And, you know, feel good about, feel satisfied that you're actually supporting the show. Of course. Giving back. Yeah. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Also, I believe T Public is actually having a sale this week. <laughs> Just go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope and uh, buy yourself a Vart shirt. Um, finally, here's Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. Kind of also goes along very well with our intro topic. A great band from Japan. Japanese hardcore punk band slash metal. Almost metal, I would say. I would say they're probably more metal than hardcore punk in my in my eyes. Jism. Uh, yeah. Great band. Uh, this is a song called Death, Agonies, and Screams. It's from their album Detestation. First record uh, that came out in 1983. Uh, they formed in Tokyo in 1981, I think it's when Jism, early 80s. Um, it's, their style definitely resembles heavy metal, but they're also kind of drew influence from like the early industrial scene. Very, uh, Just a very innovative band. They're cool. Yeah, very, very cool band. Yeah. And the acronym Jism has many different variations. So it's G-I-S-M. Um, the original and accepted definition is Gorilla Incendiary Sabotage Mutineer. But... There's some other amazing ones, too. Okay. God in the Schizoid Mind, Genocide, Infanticide, Suicide, Menticide, uh, Gay Individual Social Mean. Okay. My favorite, Gothic Incest Sex Machine. That is the best one. And the other one, Grubby Incest Stripper Mastitis. Did you suffer with that when you were a DJ? (laughs) (laughs) Did you catch that? Yes, I did. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to end the show here with Death, Agonies, and Screams by the band Jism. Happy Mother's Day to all the American mums out there. Um, uh, People will be back next week with episode 791. Till then, take it sleazy. Just 
This is D. Simon. And I'm Lance Wackerly. From uh, Sick and Wrong. People, if you like From the Ville, you might dig Sick and Wrong. There's a good chance. But I just want to clear up any gray area beforehand. Our show, Sick and Wrong, is definitely inferior to From the Ville for a number of reasons. I've listed those reasons. So let's hear them, Wackerly. Number one, our show does not have its own vocabulary. There's no dictionary associated with Sick and Wrong. You won't hear about blubber shutters, whore bags, Washingtons, or Ed's Meds on our show. We use layman terms for yes. things. So if you, yeah, if you're a layman, you could listen to Sick and Wrong and understand what we're talking about. Number two, there are no pictures of D or my shits on the website. Yeah, when uh, I tend to defecate, I flush it down the toilet. I don't take pictures of it and post it on the website. So if you're expecting that, you might not like Sick and Wrong. Number three, uh, neither you or I have nearly as much experience with butt plugs as Martin. That's true. Martin uh, definitely is no stranger to the butt plug. And you know what? We, we tend, I've never actually used one. And I don't think you have either, so... I haven't had as much experience with the butt plug, that's all I'm going to say. Number four, uh, neither you or I have had sex with nearly as many fat chicks as Martin and Steele have. Dude, I, I can't even comprehend the number of fat chicks that those two guys have had sex with. And number five isn't really a deficiency, but I'm going to have to put it out there for potential listeners. From the Bill is recorded in the Bill. Our show is recorded in San Francisco. Uh, so you listeners out there, you might get a little bit of the gay bumps listening to us. Not you're, too much, but a little bit. But you're definitely at a higher risk of catching the gay bumps by listening to Sick and Wrong just by association because we're recording the show in San Francisco, which is the gay mecca. That's true. That is true. That's all I got on the list. But all in all, Sick and Wrong's a pretty decent show. Not as good as From the Ville. If you can get over close. these five things, you might like it. You might check you might like it. So, so check out the show, sickandwrongpodcast.com.